Hi, and welcome back to the Sotheby's International Realty Podcast feed. Yes, I know it's been a long time since we've updated, but I have good news. Later this year, we're coming back with an all new format and a new name. Stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, here is Philip White, CEO and president of Sotheby's International Realty, joining Dan Loney on the Wharton Business Daily podcast from the University of Pennsylvania, discussing the brand's 2022 Luxury Outlook Report. Enjoy and see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, we have seen a sharp rise in housing prices over the last two years, but are we seeing the same type of growth in the luxury housing market? Plus, with the expected rise in interest rates coming from the Federal Reserve, how will those impact the sale of big dollar properties in the near term? Philip White is the CEO of Sotheby's International Realty. Philip, great to have you with us today. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Yeah, so you know, we are seeing. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, how how similar is the luxury market in terms of pricing and and value and impact, uh, similar to what we're seeing uh, in the overall real estate market over the last couple of years? Well, you know, I, I, it's interesting. Um, you know, back in '08 with the credit crisis, you know, the high end market let us out of that, you know, quote real estate recession. And I felt like, uh, in some ways, um, the pandemic, although there were different circumstances, clearly, I did expect that the high end would lead us out of the pandemic back, you know, starting in March of 2020. And sure enough, that is, in fact, what happened. Um, And the luxury segment has outpaced the overall market by a pretty good margin. Um, And it's not just price increase. Uh, its number of transactions increased, you know, in terms of the brand I represent, Sotheby's International Realty, really the transactions were up double double what price was, even though price is up, you know, significantly. Um, so that's really what's happening. Um, you know, I think the story is, is, is you know, the, the luxury market fueled, you know, by the stock market, the equity markets, you know, going up so significantly, you know, allowing, you know, high-end buyers to, you know, if, you know, take a mortgage at a low interest rate, some pay cash, and some do it with uh, pledging certain securities in their portfolio, which have gone up in value. So that's given them more ability to buy bigger properties. Um and add to you know add to their um, real estate holdings. So th- there's uh, there's kind of two sides of the story, Philip, as I see it. One being the big cities, New York, San Francisco, uh, you know, some of these uh, towns that obviously saw a significant impact during the uh, the early days of the pandemic and are starting to bounce back. Then you also have some of the suburban uh, areas, and you know, outside of the Philadelphia area here, you have a lot of areas that you have uh, very much a, a high luxury market. Are, are, are have you seen a a, a turn more back towards? the luxury market in the cities over the last few months. New York City, I guess, is seeing a rebound right now. Is it similar in a lot of these markets where people feel comfortable enough that they're going to be moving back to to some of these locations? Yeah, and I think, you know, what was reported, uh, Dan, didn't really happen. I think 
some people mm-hmm. thought there was this mass exodus from these big cities, which really didn't materialize in any significant way. It didn't increase, you know, inventory levels, as an example. Now, those same people were out buying other properties, a second home, in some cases a third home, uh, if they had the wherewithal to do that. But we didn't see a mass exodus. Certainly, 2020 was a tough year in Manhattan, uh, but it came back really strong in 21. Uh, San Francisco, uh, we've not seen a market in San Francisco like it was in 21 really ever before. You know, price increases, multiple offers, um, and the same for Los Angeles. Uh, You know, I was just out there. We had one property uh, that sold recently. There were 61 offers on it. (laughs) And that probably those 61 offers came in very quickly, correct? They came in very quickly. Um, you know, so there were 60 unhappy people. So so where where are the hottest markets right now for luxury real estate? What parts of the country are drawing the most attention right now? Well, you know, I think, you know, the no state income tax states are hot. Um, Florida leads the pack. Um you know, again, we have, you know, offices throughout Florida. We're in Palm Beach. There was an example two weeks ago where there were over 30 offers on one property. Uh, first day it went on the market. Um, you know, that that's not the norm, uh, but it happens. Texas is not far behind uh, Florida and even California. Some people report, you know, California, but Californians are buying outside of California, Idaho, Texas. Colorado is where they're buying. But there are many people attracted to California, certainly wealthy people because of the climate, access yeah. to the you know ocean, the beaches, and the climate is just you know fantastic. Is, so is there a the three hottest market? Colorado is a hot market too, Dan. Very hot. Right. I was I was going to say, Philip, is there a market out there that maybe is not traditionally thought of as one that really has drawn a lot of attention over the last year or two? Well, you know, I think what we're starting to see, Dan, is, is you know, traditional markets like Nashville, but it's, but it's, the, it's the communities outside of Nashville, you know, right. the exurbs, exurbia, uh, that we're starting to see more activity in. Even, you know, smaller towns outside of Orlando, as an example. And that, that's a combination of people being able to work from home or, or hybrid working is what we're calling it now which is where, you know, people are going to be in their office, maybe in a metro area, but not five days a week. So that, yeah. that allows them to buy potentially more house, more land, what have you, outside of Orlando or Nashville. Uh, but then it allows them to commute when they to their office. We're seeing that a significant amount. And that's playing out really throughout the country, whether it's in Idaho the Hudson Valley of New York State, um, you know, many different markets, Atlanta, the exurbs around Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so we're seeing that. That's a definite theme that we're seeing. How much, it, 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 and to what degree, I guess I should ask, uh, has the chip shortage played a role in some of the, the new luxury home development over the last couple of years? Uh, obviously, with so many more IoT devices in homes uh, in the last decade or so, uh, that's kind of hit ac- across all kinds of uh, housing over the last few years. 
Yes, it has. And so that's, that's the supply chain issue. Um, so, you know, every part of a new construction, a new house, is, in fact, costing more. You know, most of the reports were about lumber prices going up during the pandemic, but it's really everything. I think the chip shortage impacts appliances more than anything. So you can't count on, you know, an appliance that you might choose for your home being readily available. The wait times are longer and the prices are higher. So, yes, you're right. You know, that's, again, driving up, you know, uh, the cost of a home. So let me ask you about a unique element, which I saw in in a couple of stories recently, is that we're actually seeing a rise in terms of people paying for homes or at least paying on down payments of homes using cryptocurrency. And I'm wondering if you're starting to see that playing out a little bit in the luxury market as well. Well, we're starting to see that, Dan. Uh, We haven't really seen it in any big way until it started emerging, I think, more in 21. And so... Really, the example, we have some, um, you know, there's, the, but the seller of the property needs to be willing to accept uh, cryptocurrency and uh, yeah. in, in payment. And so that's not as widespread right now as, as we predict it will be in the future when crypto becomes, you know, more of an accepted currency. So, but it is starting to play out. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we'll start to see more transactions. And certainly we'll see them internationally as well. Crypto, you know, does allow for cross-country payment. So that's one of the advantages of crypto. So let me finish up there in terms of what is the luxury market looking like internationally at this point? And, And are you seeing some of the properties being bought here in the U.S. once again having that international flavor? Yeah, I mean, we had a record year uh, internationally in 21 and, and 2020, uh, even though some countries, you know, it, it, it's not level across the regions. Uh, you know, we're very strong in New Zealand and Australia, um, even Japan. Parts of uh, the Far East, though, China, you know, did, you know, suffer somewhat during the pandemic. Um, but we've seen a great emergence. In, in Europe, particularly the Côte d'Azur, the French Riviera, uh, Greece, um, and London. Uh, London uh, has come back, and we're seeing um, Americans uh, attracted to European countries. You know, Italy is a perfect example. Um, and we're seeing more international buyers there. Uh, but we've, you know, we're seeing record sales in terms of prices and volumes in foreign countries. So, Yes, I mean, it's, it's you know, again, the change in the lifestyle, the working from home, um, yeah. you know, has really propelled the market. Philip, great to have you with us. Thank you for your few moments today. Thank you, Dan. Take care. Thank you. Philip White, CEO of Sotheby's International Realty. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.